Well, how did you get into wanting to teach people like cigars and stuff like that? Uh, well, as far as well, I've been getting in, been into cigars probably for the last few years, but never really had them. Normally, cigar is a, is something that you would have. Uh, special occasions, weddings, birthdays, birth of a child. The times have changed. Yeah, so uh, so it's more of a ritual kind of thing. But then you've got the everyday smokers, and you think of like your Arnold Schwarzeneggers and your your Tiger Woods and your Michael Jordans, where they'll be on the golf course and I have the biggest, fattest cigar that you've ever seen, and they smoke every day. Where I just believe that there's a thing called a happy medium mm. for something like cigars. Uh, the 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 product is pure. You're, you're dealing with tobacco leaves. It's not like cigarettes where, where it's full of chemicals and other things and just just blended till it's smokable. But even the smell of cigarettes I never liked. Where this, the smell of a fresh cigar or even a, a, the smell of a freshly lit cigar has a completely different smell and a completely different taste profile. And when you have, whether it's, a, and, and your, your shisha and your vapes and stuff like that, it's artificial. Mm. This is natural. Mm. This is natural. And it's, uh, it's an art form as far as people that roll it and make them. Well, I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I've, no, I've, 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 I've been doing a little bit of research on the cigars as an industry as a whole because I've just gotten fascinated with it as older I get. And I mm. think this is something that all men find mm. in common almost, that as age yeah. increases, we suddenly are more interested in pipes than cigars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, well, if we're going to look off, we may as well, well fin finish to look off. It's, right. it's, yeah. After this, I'll be uh, I'll be going migrating to pipe and slippers. Exactly right. I mean, <laughs> and I'll walk around the house in a robe. <laughs> yeah, you can get one of those uh, smoking jackets, yeah. right? Oh, that they used to have nice, in the nineteen forties. Nice. Things have changed. Think of like a Hugh Hefner kind of uh, robe kind that, of setup. I mean, that used to be the tra the, the fashion in the nineteen twenties. You had like a little pocket where you'd put your cigar, and, you know, in and, and one and or two. And your pocket watch. And your pocket watch. <laughs> and your monocle. <laughs> I mean, every day we go further and further from God's light. But, I think. But you don't mind. You don't mind it but but it's also when you get to a certain age everything that you're obviously told don't do this don't do this and it's like my my dad when I never I never knew but before I was born my dad was a smoker my mum was heavily against smoking so even growing up and then whether you you know you're in high school and you, you try and experiment yeah you see you're expanding on, 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 on different things um and, and it's just that kind of forbidden. You do it because you're told not to. But as you get older and you kind of make a little bit more of a better understanding on what it is each thing is. So whether it's, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cigars or whether it's other things, do your own research and then make your own educated decision on doing something. So based on my fascination with not only the look, because normally the look of a cigar, you normally see the rich man and he's... And he's uh, top hat mm. and he's lighting the cigar with money mm. so it's like uh, that that vision of that cigars are only for the rich when it's not true at all and and then the fascination with cuban cigars obviously it's a forbidden fruit for the american so but cuban cigars don't always mean it's the best cigars they do make good cigars but it doesn't mean the uh, dominican or the nicaraguans are not making excellent cigars as well they're just better priced but people have this price perception. If it's more expensive, it must be better, which is not true. Totally not agree. True. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, I think it's it's really fascinating in how Cuba, who who doesn't really have any other exports, who's struggled as a as a nation. Rum. Yeah, rum. Sorry. <laughs> managed to conquer the world on cigars because when I think of of, of, of I don't think of rum as naturally being Cuban. Maybe mm. that's my own mistake of not knowing enough about alcohols. But mm. I know cigars always tied in my head 
with Cuba. Do you know yeah. what? It, it, it's bizarre. It's, a, it's the same thing. It's your, your vodka with the Russians when, when they're not the only producing... Uh, uh, only 2% of world supply is like from Russia, something ridiculous like really? that. Yeah, it's really, really low. Well, well that's because uh, in, in Poland and Czech Republic, they probably outdrink a lot of the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in, the, in the US, when, when, when the whole Ukraine thing happened, you had these Americans who were like on, on TikTok and whatnot, spilling, you know, Russian vodka out. But most of these brands just have like, a, like the, the Red Square or oh. SAR, but it has nothing to do with Russia. <laughs> and, a lot, and a lot of these vodkas are not actually made in Russia. Yeah. So, so the, the Red Square, I think that's even produced in the UK. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah but Grey but, Goose is French. I think. Gray, yeah, Grey Goose is French. That is uh, paying for a pretty bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, that, yeah, there's Grey Goose. There's the skull, wrist, Crystal Skull is Canadian. Chris, that's Canadian. That's owned, part owned by Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Uh, but, but with vodka, I mean, in my years of being in the liquor industry for like the last, I've been in and out of the liquor industry probably about 25 years. Uh, and but when you do you do a lot of master classes you do a lot of blind tastings because at the end of the day everything is brand perception so mm. everyone thinks especially in Bahrain everyone thinks Grey Goose is the best vodka it's like if you put it in a blind tasting I bet you you couldn't pick it out so in blind tasting that I've done and I once did a session and it was more than 20 vodkas and Grey Goose was actually in, in the bottom third bottom third as far as rated. And this is even going up against Stolicna, uh, uh, uh Absolute. Um, that Polish one that has that grass in it, whatever that's uh, called. Yeah, uh, Vibrova. Yeah, yeah you've, you've got so many different brands, but because of clever advertising, it's like your Heineken's. Everyone's going for Heineken because the advertising is amazing. Does it make it better? Absolutely not. I, I have a story with Heineken. My dad actually met uh, one of the family members of Heineken. His name is Heineken. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Well, that's it no. blew me away. It blew me away. <laughs> Crazy. And he said he met him in a hotel bar, and he was drinking straight up whiskey. And my dad talked to him for one reason or another, and he said, "Well, why aren't you drinking Heineken?" He said, "I wouldn't touch this this shit." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's brilliant. <laughs> Well, if he paid for it, it's going straight back into his pocket. I guess so, yeah. But he was like, no, I'm not going to touch that shit. <laughs> it was but I tell you what, working with booze here in Bahrain, it's like if you don't have the big brands, you've got the yeah. toughest sales job in the world. Where yeah. you, you, It's not about trying to convince somebody. It's trying to say, I'm putting them side by side. But you love the people who drink the Grey Goose and the Shivers, and that's what they drink. It's like they've got the, the, the horse racing on. blinkers on. And so they'll have that and then say, right, I've got a whiskey here where I'll stand by it and, and say, I think this is a better whiskey. And they're like, I know what I like. Do you think it's, it's still the problem is like with India, a culture perception that if I don't drink, you know, like a, like a black label or something like that, then it doesn't send the right message to the rest of the table. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, one thing that I've learned, especially in the Middle East, it's all about image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like in India, like in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, well, knowing the Indian whiskey is, is obviously a different level, although that's emerging and evolving now. Uh, but here, especially with uh, people living here, whether they're, they're Lebanese or they're Emirati, when they go into a nightclub, it's, it's all about the image. I've got the table. I've paid for this table. And on the table, I have a bottle of Grey Goose and I have a bottle of Shivas because that is seen as the premium. I can afford this. 
I am paying for my friends and the girls will come over to our table because it is my table and my... It is an image. Shivers has that... Regal has that upper perception of a bit. The whiskey is great, don't get me wrong, but, but I mean, if you cover that bottle, another bottle in diamonds, you know, it's, it's all about what looks good on the table. Same thing with, with that, Christ, what is it called? Cristal champagne? Yeah, Cristal. Yeah. It doesn't taste anything. Like, it, it's not a good champagne, mm. but people mm. love it because of that it's brand a, appeal. But then there's also, everyone wants a celebration as well. It's my birthday, and that's why all these nightclubs, they, they do the big Jeroboam's of champagne, and they put sparklers and flares and stuff on it. Everyone It's cheering. all signaling. It's all for me. It's all for me, and mm. they do a big show. But you want to know... I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell you a little story. Um, is that going back a few years ago, mm. is that um, uh, with a lot of the clubs and bars over here, they, they wanted the champagne, but they didn't want to pay for champagne. So the venues were selling it as champagne, but it wasn't champagne. Mm. And it got worse and worse because the, the tax here on, on alcohol went up and down. I've, I've been in Bahrain for six years. Okay. And I've seen the, the tax on alcohol skyrocket to the, to the point where you couldn't even justify going out. So I think this was like 2017 where you could go into a bar and pay like 10 BD for a pint. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even kidding, not even kidding. At, at one point, pint of Heineken, pint of Guinness was about 10 and 12 BD. My that was about August, September. But it, was, it wasn't until the reality of it where people were saying that it was too much. But anyway, before that happened... Hotels, I won't say which hotels, were not wanting it. So they looked at the price of sparkling and they went, no. Some places were offering, especially Arabic nightclubs, mm -hmm. were selling, you ready for this? Let's hear it. Sparkling water. <laughs> sparkling grape juice <laughs> from Lulu's. <laughs> so the stuff that costs maybe, maybe one or two BD a bottle, if that, uh, because the people who were buying it were not drinking it. So they why waste a good product? Buy, they were buying it for the girls. The girls are drinking it because they're getting a drink. But it was sparkling grape juice. And the markup on it was almost like it was champagne. Let's just say these hotels did very, very well. I knew that specifically because... Um, you tasted it and you're like, no, wait a no, second. No, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't taste it. I used to get the phone calls and asking do you sell non-alcoholic sparkling grape juice? And I said, we are a liquor company. We do not supply non-alcoholic beverages. And they're like, oh, okay. So they'll just buy it by the cases from the supermarkets. Really? And they're selling it off. And they made a killing and fair play. If people have more money than sense to not know what they're drinking, then... Yeah, yeah. hey, you know what? I totally agree with you. I totally agree with but you. But you also get a lot of people that will get these bottles and they'll, they might have the champagne bottle. Okay, you can't do it with champagne. You, do you it could with do it whiskey. with the whiskey bottle. So you could get a, a bottle of Johnny Walker and you top it up with King Robert or something like that. That's exactly... <laughs> my mom used to own a restaurant slash bar back in Germany. And uh, she was telling me that one of the toughest things was that staff would just top up themselves mm. to take home and they just fill the vodka with a little bit of water or they'll fill it with a different kind of vodka and they'll just put it back in the shelf yeah that's what you did at your mum's place exactly it's, it's yeah. like yeah i remember doing that it's, yeah it's uh but yeah mum and dad it's like uh i don't think your ouzo tastes like ouzo anymore exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah but i won't be touching that again <laughs> and, and she said it was a nightmare at one point she had to get like a lock cupboard to, <laughs> to keep it in. we all did it we all did it it's like 
no, don't take any more than that. They'll notice. And it's like, what can we top it up with water? It's like, oh, I can that. It all looks the same. <laughs> Who's going to notice? They're not yeah. going to drink straight vodka. They're going to have it as a cocktail. Yeah, yeah, It'll be yeah. fine. They're not going to sip on that. It's like, oh, this, this is it's light. <laughs> mm. Oh, God. No, it, it, I mean, but I find it interesting in the culture that right now in the UK, mostly in the UK, you've got these like homebrew beers. Yeah. That are just exploding at the oh, moment. But, but that's uh, that's that's globally. It's it's uh, all, all over the world because people have kind of got fed up of the the generic lager market. I mean, I mean, the whole lager concept wasn't popular. I think until like yeah, mid seventies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Before yeah, yeah. that, it was yeah. it was your ales and your yeah. your 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 Guinness, your stouts, and these kind of things. Yeah. All of a sudden, this boom of lager. And then, and then in Australia, as you got towards the the, the late nineties and the two thousands, because it was all about uh, responsible drinking, so it was all light beers. And and now, uh, just before I left Australia, it became l- low alcohol, low carbon. They called it blonde. Oh. Tell it, tell that to to the Belgians and the Germans, and like they would laugh at you for drinking that. It was li- literally, it was like. Um, Take a, a bottle of San Pellegrino and just put yellow food co- coloring in it. That's it was it was just tasteless. But but they were trying to target the younger market to get them to drink more. They were still charging them proper price for it. But then there became this whole evolution of craft beers. So we had beers in Australia. We had Cooper's was one of the first, but they'd been around for years. But they were doing ales and sparkling ales and pale ales. You'd have them every now and again, just because it was nice to have a beer that actually tasted like a beer, mm. rather than being like, what can I down the fastest because the weather is nice. Uh, and then this whole emergence, this Cooper started making home brewing kits. Combine them in the supermarket. I bought one for dad. It's still sitting in the shed. He never opened it. It was too much work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Cooper's made home brewing kits. So you could buy them in the supermarket and you'd get just a little jar on the side, you'd just buy it off the shelf and you would choose which style of beer and they'll teach you how to make it so you can make your own at home. So technically you're still buying from Coopers, but they're using your con- contraption, you're learning how to make beer, it's not a bad thing. But I think from that, it kind of created this whole- Industry. Industry of people saying, well, I want to do my own. So craft beer started popping up everywhere. And it's like, even in, in the US, so I spent time in the US and traveling around, you'd go to a, uh, a uh, where was I? I was in, I was in I was in Oregon. I was in Portland. I was visiting a friend there. This is going back maybe about 15, 16 years ago. And there was a whole industrial wasteland. And it was disused warehouses. And what the, the what we do call them now, hipsters, mm. they're, they're buying them up. They put apartments upstairs and they build a little restaurant in the front and they'd have a little microbrewery in the back. Okay. So they were making their own beer and then they have a small menu. So you would go in there. And some of the food would be paired with beer. And this, this was all Like a bistro, of, yeah. Yeah, but, but it was pairing beer with food. And it was something that you, was relatively unheard of. But you're trying all these interesting beers and then people start to get creative. Now it's gone completely off the, off the reservations now. It's like the, the microbrew industry is, is booming. That's why you've got so many of the big uh, beer companies that are now trying to do it. So you've got Hop House 13 coming out of Guinness. You got Blue Moon, Blue Moon, which was originally a proper craft beer, but then it was bought out by Molson Coors. And then, because technically craft beer is small batch, it's a ch- but to be the number one craft beer in the US, it was bought by Molson and distributed all over. But mm. then the very first beer uh, in the US is a, a beer called Yingling. 
uh, produced in, I think, in uh, Pennsylvania. With that name? Yeah, Yingling. That yeah. sounds like straight and something I, from the Orient. When I used to live in upstate New York, and that was on tap, and that was one of the first beers I tried when I lived in the US. And that was, it turns out, America's very first brewery. And Yingling is still available today, and it's still made, as far as I'm aware, still made the same way. But I think Molson Coors are now distributing it for them. They're still making it, so they're not, like, putting them everywhere. But because of this um, interest in old-school beers and stuff like that, they're helping them distribute uh, across the country to improve its name. Because back then, you could only get it from, from there unless you got, had some sort of niche beer supplier. Because when I think of U.S. beer, the first, thing, the first name, like with you, I'd imagine, is Budweiser. That's mm. the first thing that rings in my head. Mm. And when I think of like the old adverts um, with Johnny Carson's show yeah. back in the 70s uh, and the, eight, and the well, towards the late 80s as well, it was always the same adverts, always Budweiser this, Budweiser that. And Heineken was the European <laughs> high-end luxury item in the U.S. at the time. Um, and that's, that's, what, mm. that's what all that we saw. It's all, but it's all, that's all advertising. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like in the, if you're in the UK, one thing I loved, I used to, I lived in London and I lived in Manchester, is that I, I love the beer culture there. It's, it's very much where you'll go to towns where there's, there's more, more pubs and petrol stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and yeah, even yeah. some places, more pubs and houses. Yeah. But a lot of these brews, you could not go into... You'd always have the staples. You'd always have your, your Cronenbergs, you'd have your Heinekens, you'd have your Carlsbergs. Um, but then if you went to a different pub, you have the traditional car scales, mm. the old hand pumps, where the beer is almost a, just slightly below room temperature. Mm. But each bar would have a different guest beer. Mm. And I used to love just going in and trying them. I used to try these amazing different beers. There was one that I, I, I tried called Thixton's Old Peculiar, and it came out black oh, but it wasn't thick like guinness uh but it was it was fairly room temperature and it was kind of kind of like treacle it was like had this coffee and chocolate and but it was like 8.6 percent and you could only drink it in winter well for me i could only drink it in winter because it, it definitely warmed you up I, uh but I, you in the summer you'd have two of those and you'd be like i'm gone for an i'm I, gone for a siesta i went to a pub somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the midlands and uh, it, was, it was a cider. Uh, the, the owner said, you can only order two. And I went, all right. He said, by the second one, you're, you're going to be speaking Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Do you remember the name? I, I don't remember the name. Um, he gave me one, and I was like, fucking hell, this is pretty strong. I remember drinking the second one, and that was it. <laughs> That's the last thing I remember for that. How's night. your Hungarian now? <laughs> I am fluent. <laughs> For a good six hours, I think I was fluent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, there's, but there's a lot of fun stuff in these small little cottage towns that are... But, but, no, but that's the amazing. And they have these um, kind of gastro pubs. So out, where I lived in Manchester, when I first lived there, I was living <clears> outside <throat> of the city. So I was working for Hard Rock Cafe right in the heart of Manchester. But I had to get a bus uh, to where I was staying. It was... Literally, it was a little bit out of town. When was this, and the 80s? This, no, I'm not that old. Oh, was this the 90s then? <laughs> this, this was uh, early 2000s. I oh, think fuck. about 2003. And the road that I was living on... Well, I Manchester think, was fine by that point in 2003. Oh, it yeah. And Ma Manchester, Manchester was well into its rebuild. So Hard Rock Cafe had opened up in the print work. So I was working there. Uh, and, yeah, a lot of the redevelopment had 
finalized because all that happened around uh, uh, I forget the name of the mall there's a massive mall and then then you've got the the massive uh, concert stadium mm. and stuff like that so it was that well the was bombing the, happened I remember that that's yeah, right yeah, that's yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so so with all that it had been fully redeveloped and I was living with friends and uh, but where I was it was probably the only house that wasn't boarded up uh, but two minutes up the road in this field was this beautiful gastropub and you would go there and because there's not much to do but go out and drink and it's like well I can can drink (laughs) but here I can take the family so they had little kids area kids area outside and mainly inside because this was inside of Manchester or outside of Manchester no no it's it's a part of greater Manchester but it was just it was outside of the city yeah yeah yeah. it was outside of the city so it was a it was a field and there was a gastropub in the middle of it Mm. so you'd go there and what we would call a stodge meal Mm -hmm. so after a a heavy weekend whether it was for work or just on the source Mm -hmm. you would go in there and you would eat the greasiest meal possible you could just have you could take a full english breakfast put it in a pie cover it in gravy and wash it down with three or four pints and that was a sunday lunch yeah that sounds brilliant (laughs) but i always love going in there because everyone goes oh what's shannon going to order now because i would pick the one beer that no one had never heard of (laughs) the owner didn't even know when they had it Every time I would go into a pub or you go into a Weatherspoons and they have like over 20, 30 different beers on tap and mm. I'd, I'd skip, I'd skip into the bar and they're like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I'm like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> and what am I going to get? What am I going to get? I've tried you. I've tried you. I've, oh, hello. <laughs> I think Weatherspoons isn't as big as it used to be these days. I think uh, they got a, they got a bad rep. Uh, yeah. a number of years ago because I think the owner of Weatherspoons had spoken out and said some some things out loud that... Um, he said something about bre- Brexit as well and yeah, then that's when he got it fired. Was, it, was, it was Brexit and then also during during the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think they got rid of a lot of stuff instead of trying to retain, uh, which obviously a lot of businesses had to do. But Weatherspoons was a was a massive industry. You'd be able to shuffle staff around, at least find something for them to do. Um, and but, there was furlough as well at yeah. the time in the UK. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's an interesting thing because Weatherspoons had some bad luck because the first CEO, he, he voted for Brex- Brexit hmm. and the, the board of the directors said, well, this is against... Well, if I was there, I would have voted for Brexit as well. That's fine, and that's your yeah. personal that you can mm. you could that's your personal decision. Mm. But from the company's mm. perspective, said, well, you went and you told the public, and you represent us. Yeah, and that's why he got fired for. But, but, and I don't I don't disagree with Brexit. that I'm for oh, it yeah. as well. But what I'm just trying to say is that you know. But what was wrong with that is that is that when you come out and say it because it's it's the the, the two the sides of the fence, and there's 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 people that are for it and against it. To be one side of the fence than the other, you need to be clear on your reasons and justifications. Uh, And that's what a lot of people didn't do and a lot of people were afraid to do. But I Mm. think a lot of people didn't uh, realize what it actually involved. There was a lot of pros and there was a lot of cons, but nothing was proven. Mm. Nothing was proven. And, And now you get the talk now that Brexit was a failure. And it's like, well... Well, if you think Brexit came into play literally as soon as, almost as soon as lockdowns came in, you never really got to see it come to... Flourish. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Because um, it, it would have given the UK an, a complete platform to renegotiate. Uh, with Trade every, Exactly. All across Europe. So Brits can't go without cheese and wine from France. And then, hang on, what does, what does England export? 
<laughs> banking service, sadly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the UK is an interesting country because it's so reliant on its tertiary sector, right? Its yeah. service sector. Um, 10% of the UK GDP comes from London alone, mm. right? Uh, London is the banking sector of the world. Mm. Technically, London isn't part of the UK in, mm. in its most technical perspective, yeah. at least the city of London itself. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when, when, what I, what I was saying with, with the Weatherspoon specifically is that when you're a public figure, you, you kind of lose your, opinion, your ability to give honest opinion, in my opinion. Mm. It, that's the sad truth of it, right? Because you become a representation of a firm. Mm. Every decision you make for Microsoft looks on to Microsoft, right? Or if you're CEO of Google, CEO of whatever. Do you kind of get... Do you, yeah. And so, so I think that when it comes to these kind of statements, personally, you should be able to vote for whatever you want. But you should be also not able to say, hey, you know, I voted one way or the other. Because then you're representing the entire yeah. company. That's, yeah. that's sort of, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. It's once you get, when, you, when you're a, a certain level of a certain power and you <clears> lean <throat> to one or the other, then it can alienate the people who are on the other side. It, but because that's such a, a big thing <coughs> now, like especially in the US, the divide between uh, Democrat and Republican is oh. so much bigger now than it ever oh. was. But it's all social media. And it's all, it's all this feeding of information and it's, it's such an aggressive, aggressive um, divide I, now. It's not like, oh, okay, they're in power. We'll accept it. Let's hope, hope they do well. It's gotten so bad in the US that it doesn't matter which party makes a suggestion. The other party will reject it based on principle. Oh, 100%. That's it, it, 100%. It's, it, it's, it's based ridiculous. on. So, so even, if, even if you look now, uh, the, the Biden administration is all for vaccinations Mm, mm, mm. when the first uh beginning of the vaccinations were coming out that was with president trump and it was all about getting getting people vaccinated do you remember the time and biden biden was against it do you remember the time Mm. with uh china yeah where 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 he he uh banned china flights to the u.s and everyone was calling him out what a racist and all that absolutely (laughs) and then and then then biden started when the the new variant came out of south africa they they banned flights from from Africa, even though the flights were only uh, the the new variant was coming out of South Africa. They banned all flights from Africa, but that was okay. Trump did it. He was a racist, and it's like you're 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 this, you're that, you're you're anti-China. And then uh, what's her name? Pelosi comes out and says, uh, uh, "The people of China, you are welcome to New York and welcoming it. We'll open up the flights." And then, bam, New York gets gets hit, <laughs> get hit. But it, it, to <laughs> me, it's so insane that you you can have world dictators. From, from all kinds of uh, sub-Saharan African nations, mm. perfectly fine to be on Twitter and social media. They can say whatever they want, yeah. but how dare a politician? Yeah. <laughs> we'll how, have to remove him. That's how dare they? How un- dare they? I mean, yeah. it, it is, there, there is a level of insanity mm. in there that I don't know how, mm. how you can break. Uh, there's a fantastic book by Scott Galloway called The Four, and he makes a fantastic case that all big tech companies need to be broken up, mm. saying that... Uh, as an individual enterprise, they have so much swaying power on the public mm. that it, it's, it's you, you can't, like with the Hunter Biden uh, laptop that came out that he had connections, the Times, the Times reported on it and Twitter removed it. I know. It's, I, I mean, I, it's, it's insane. And it's the same way they, the, the story it's, uh, for, for that laptop is insane. But that was made dead in the water over a year ago. They, they squashed it. But there was a, there was a website uh, coming out of China, and they had 
photos and videos off that laptop that they managed to get hold of. And it's like, if this got to the world media, it would be an absolute disaster for Joe. But this, absolute disaster. The same thing with Hillary. But it's only re-emerging now, now that uh, uh, hasn't Russia just sanctioned, not sanctioned, they've, uh, they've blocked... They've blocked something. Oh, um, you mean the exports of they've they've blocked exports of oil at parts of um, fertilizer. So food prices are going to shoot oh, up. Oh no, the they've next frozen the assets of the Biden family. Oh right, right. Yeah, they froze. <laughs> I had to think about that. They they froze the assets, and it's like, why would Russia be freezing the assets? Because of uh, Hunter's involvement in, uh, I forget what he was building. building why, does he technologies. Have, why does he have assets in Russia to begin with? That's no, his, he had yeah. the assets in Ukraine. Oh, okay, okay. Cause, cause, well, new Russia. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's, that's, that's a rabbit hole in itself. What do you think about all these like uh, uh, properties in the UK that have been taken now hold of by, by the UK government? Based on these oligarchs uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you justify that? But... But at the end of the day, and, and, and we're hearing this is happening in Dubai, to try and hide their money, they're trying to buy up property in Dubai right now. Sure. Be, because they know in certain countries they're going to be freezing them. But in, in a city like Dubai, you want to buy something? Go ahead. Um, so, But look, I, I don't know if you can retroactively punish someone after you they made the purchase. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Because because they're not they're not saying like to these like oligarchs, "Oh, you were hiding your money, therefore we take the property." They're saying, yeah. "Oh, we're going to war with potentially yeah. Russia, so we're going to take your your But I, I don't think it's all all of them. I just think it's those because they've got a list to who are those who mm. support Putin. Mm. So they're the only ones that they're going after. But but then again, it's a whole uh, uh, agree to disagree kind of thing because it, that is the platform where you don't have every country that is all anti-Putin. They're 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 against the invasion of of Ukraine. Mm -mm -mm. But it's also, you know, whether you have have Trump saying it's not our war, it's not our problem. It's like a lot of people hate the U.S. until they get into trouble and say, oh, we need you now. But but my my segment on that is is how do you justify it when everything is said and done? Because in the next five to ten years, things will go back to normal, as they as everything does, mm. right? Mm. I don't think we're going to go into a world war that's going to end society. I, I that's yeah. that's not on the in my opinion, not, that's not on the cards. So what happens to the UK after everything settled down? Because I know people from China, people from Russia, people from the Middle East are not going to go and buy properties in the UK because mm. they're going to be like, well, what happens if mm. something happens? Am I going to get retroactively punished for for owning this? Oh, but it's, it can be the same for anywhere. It's well, like if, it's, even it, <clears throat> I mean, you, you can take a look at that as a possibility, yeah. And it's, a, mm. it's the same with China and Australia. So, so in Melbourne right now, well, in a lot of parts of Australia, the Chinese are, are, are buying up property over value, mm. over value. So even where I grew up, where I grew up used to be fields, old, old wineries where I grew up, and it's now overdeveloped. And everything is subdivided, and so uh, a lot of Chinese real estate companies are coming in and offering, you know, 40 percent above market value, driving up the price. They sit on the house, they'll then knock it down, and then they'll build five to ten small townhouses on it, but they'll only sell it or rent it out to Chinese, Chinese students uh, who are coming over to study. And so, with the whole COVID, there was a whole backlash against. Uh, the the Chinese that it was you know you know it's your flu you've started this you've created that and it's like well they didn't do it they didn't do it I mean they're studying and, and everything like that 
but this is what's happening to the market now. I mean, Australia and New Zealand both were pretty crazy when it came to the COVID uh, uh, situation. Yeah. What, what was the tennis player's name again? I forgot his name. Uh, Novak. 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 He. Djokovic. Jo- oh, was it Djokovic? I thought it was it's, it's, it's Djokovic, but Novak. Vax is exactly. Yeah. No, his problem is that he lied. He lied Did on he? His, he lied on on his visa forms. He, he, he said, uh, no, because he tried to get an exemption. Normally, it's an exemption if you're there for a, a specific reason. It's like, if, you know, if I, I'm a doctor flying in for, you know, I've got a purpose. But I'm sorry, Novak, you hit tennis balls for a living. You are not more important than anybody else. You've got an entire cities on lockdown, and you seem to think you're above them because you want to play for one million prize money in a game. He claims that he wasn't in charge of anything because I believe that because when you're when you're in person in that position people just like give you like things just to sign to get yeah. over with you know what I mean yeah you, 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 he would have got stuff done for him but you would have got people trying to play around it but, th- but, absolutely but, but, but that comes down to his own stupidity it's it's you're allowing everybody to do this and then he tries to blame everybody it's like these are the people in your employment sure. you need to have some sort of level of information yeah, yeah absolutely because it, it is about you and so he tried to come in under the exemption, and it, and then when he came in and realized that he couldn't get it, then he goes, "Oh, I already had COVID." I'm oh, like, okay. what? And he goes, <laughs> "Oh, I had it on seventeenth uh, of December," and then obviously people do their digging, and on that day he was at a press conference. He met with children. He signed for autographs. He gave an interview, and it's like for somebody who had COVID, you're very social, uh, and, and he's like, "Oh, oh my." Uh, my manager didn't tell me. And it's like, your manager didn't tell you. He had to retract on that as well, saying, oh, my manager told me this. I didn't know he, it was the yeah, oh, no, story goes it, that deep. No, okay. it, do, it does go deep. No, because everyone did their research. And it's like, well, if you got on that day, you should have been in quarantine, even if you had no symptoms, for at least 10 days. You should have been away from I didn't want to let my fans down. And it's like, oh, okay. So now, now you're lying about that. And then... Because he said, I blame my manager. He didn't tell me I tested positive. That was the thing. Okay. And, and then he's and then like, what are you blaming me for? And he goes, oh, I, I did know, but I didn't want to let down the fans. And it's like, so you, you're infected knowing that you could have potentially passed it on to further people. And that's why he ultimately lost. Because he lied. No idea. If, if he had been honest from the very beginning and said, right, I tested positive, he would have let in. And it would have been global news. It was like the same with um, uh, Rafael Nadal. Mm. When he got COVID, it was global news. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, before the Bahrain F1, he tested positive, but he did his isolation. He came out, he was still able to race. That's where the difference lies. As a, and nobody knew that, because everyone knew he was an anti-vaxxer, which is fine. That's, once again, personal opinion. But he, was hosted, he hosted a tennis tournament, and, and then afterwards they're all partying, and ended up being a super spreader event. The rise of... Um, People who are allergic, so the rise of peanut allergies and the, and the rise of uh, dairy allergies and lactose intolerance, pills for everything now. So but that's also because exactly what you said earlier. That's because there's such a large generation of people who grew up in a sanitized environment. And mm. so you have all these autoimmune yeah. problems. That's right. Right. And, and people mm. getting more, uh, uh, I think the, gener- I think, what is it like numbers who are in, um, who have, who have issues with peanuts have skyrocketed over the last yeah. generation. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a two X or three X. And, and, and it's, growth. and that's the thing. And that's deadly. But, but the amount of people that, that I would know in the U S and they'd be like, uh, Oh, I'm lactose intolerant. 
they're not ordering a, a burger without cheese. They're, they're like, let me just pop a tablet. They pop a tablet and it's like, I'm good to go. And they'll, 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 have their, they'll have their ice cream, they'll have their shakes, they'll have their, because I took a pill. So I'm, even when I, I was, because I was told, just cut out all dairy and all eggs. So, so I did that. And then I slowly introduced things and be like, okay, I feel okay on that. I don't feel okay on that. So I, I haven't drank milk and I haven't eaten eggs in over 10 years. Oh, wow. That was hard. That was hard because I used to love making scrambled eggs on yeah, toast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to have a, a big coffee full of milk and stuff like that. Then I realized that's what it was. But as I slowly re reintroduced it, I never went back to yogurt. Uh, some cheese was okay. So, so brie and cheddar and these mm. kind of things it was okay. But if I tried anything else, you would, it wasn't like, you just felt like a, a sharp pain because um, uh, it, it's a common problem when you get to a certain age. Uh, well, from, well, we're not from, that far from, apart, to be honest. From, from what I understand, it, it's like not having <laughs> the enzyme in the lower intestine to break it down properly. So, so it creates like a, a pain. Do you remember when you were a kid and you used to run and you'd have, you'd call it a stitch and be like, ah, you'd get that sharp pain. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it was. Oh. It, was, it wasn't anything more than that, but you, you so you, I was able to feel it. So if I ever attempted to, to try milk again, or if I tried to have yogurt and be like, you'd feel that pain. Have you tried probiotics? No. Then maybe that should be something you should look into. Probiotics, like your cult. Like you, there's like specific pills you can take that help grow your, your uh, bio. The, the, uh, the, oh yeah, the, for the, the, the gut tablets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're called, uh, I don't know what they're called. They're called the um, bio branch or something weird yeah. like that. And they're meant to really be helpful for people's stomachs. But apparently with your, your digestive system, it, it evolves and changes like every seven years. So I could probably go back to milk now and be okay with it. And I've actually thought about this in like the last month because my wife eats a lot of eggs and I'm like, oh, I miss ha having just fried egg on toast. And be like, maybe, maybe I'll just have it once. Do you think that it's it dependent on the kind of egg that they, that from the hen? So for example, like if they're corn fed. Uh, or... I, n I never thought about that probably or until oyster. you said it. It yeah. was just, it was just like, I just, just, just went cold turkey. Or what about those ostrich eggs? That's another thing you should be. I mean, that's a big duck, egg for duck, one person. Duck eggs, quail eggs, absolutely. It's, I've never actually thought about that. I'll, I'll there you. we go. There we go. <laughs> Is there a place here in Bahrain that's <laughs> oyster, uh, oyster eggs? No, they ha actually in um, uh, Bahraini farmers market. Really? They had. Uh, they do have some ostriches here locally. They had. I don't know if they're ostrich, but they're big. But they're huge, but they were selling them for, for like three or four BD each. I Gee, think they were. That, that's oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, I don't think they lay as many as chickens. But. Yeah, still. I mean, three BD, that's like, that's like what, six quid for a big Yeah, but it's a, a big one. But that's what I'm saying. Know, that's that's uh, not a bad price. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like the, the how would you call it, the effect of, 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 of like eating something without realizing what you're eating. It's, you know, especially yeah, 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 yeah. vegetarians and vegans and these kind of things. Yeah. It's that kind of knowing but not knowing. So I don't, when I have a steak, I'm not thinking about the cow being killed. That's a steak. It's, I'm not watching the process. Sure, sure, and sure, so, sure. So it's with eggs. And when you think eggs come from chicken, I eat chicken eggs and that's just how it is. And if you say, uh, going to give you a duck's egg, you're like, well, that's a bit weird. Well, for, for me, I exactly think exactly the opposite of that. When I go to a restaurant and I see, a, if I see like a, a big steak, let's say two, 300 grams, and it's 20 quid, mm. it makes me worry. 
Yeah. Because I think to myself, well, the restaurant didn't pay more than two to five pounds for that steak. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and so what the hell happened to that cow to be yeah. that priced, yeah. right? So yeah. that's, that's always like a little resonance in yeah. my head. Because if you're for, like, I've gotten really into food recently because a friend of mine is a chef. Hmm. And he was telling me that if you feed a, a kettle uh, a grain, you actually make them diabetic. And so when you eat grain-fed cows, you're eating a sick animal. Now the question is, do you want to eat a sick animal? And <laughs> that's what resonates with me. Because he said grass-fed is the only way, that's from a biological standpoint, that's what the cow's body is meant to process. They were never meant to process uh, a grain. They were never meant to process plastics. A lot of farms will just take bread from that are just started moldy, and they'll just throw it in the feed. They won't even open the plastics, and the cow will eat it with the plastic. It is horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I've always been aware of, um, uh, as far as what, what's been fed to animals, especially what would be fed to whether it's pigs or chickens or, or stuff like that, and it, and it becoming involved in the meat. And this was something that was never really spoken about. Everyone, mm. everyone spoke about hormones. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So uh, my, my brother actually became quite sick with eating certain types of chicken, chicken mm. meat, so mm. chicken breast. Uh, and he had to get a certain type of, I think it was called Leonica. And it was, and I think it was basically chickens that were not fed uh, hormones and, and all these other things. So they were literally clean. And, and as a kid, I thought he was making up. It's like, you're full of it. What are you talking about? But yeah, he, he used to make him well. So we used to get this special type of chicken and he was okay with it. But, but back then it was just like, whatever what, you're talking they, about. Because when you go into a supermarket here, mm. I'm sure when you go into Lulu's, when mm. you look at the steak, it doesn't tell you where they got it from. Mm. Oh, it might say South Africa, it might mm. say Brazil. New Zealand or whatever, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's what was weird. Did I don't know if you shop in Lulu's, mm. but they had a massive meat shortage uh, mm. just a couple of months ago. Do you know where they were getting their red meat from? Mm. Russia. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I know why, because I shop for steaks and, and it's usually hard to get, to get decent steaks in this part of the world without paying an arm and a leg yeah, 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 and yeah, these yeah, kind yeah. of things. So when, I'd go to Lulu's just because it's closer for me and they would get New Zealand ribeyes. Ribeye is my cut. So New Zealand or Australian is what I would go for. And you'd have a look at the other ones and, and the, the, the meat that would come from South Africa uh, it would look too pink, mm. too pink. And it's like, what, what's happened to that? And you would see, but then they would have... Uh, buffalo steaks coming in from India mm. or, or mutton steaks coming in from Pakistan. Mm. And then, then all of a sudden the, the shelves were bare and I'm like, it's a bit weird. Just no meat coming in from anywhere, not even Brazil and where you'd get a lot of cheap meat from. But then I saw, I, saw, I never tried it, but Russian steak. I'm like, I didn't even know they were a plate. I thought maybe Russia get all, all their steaks from somewhere else. I never knew that. I never <clears throat> knew that. Considering the weather condition down there, I was Exactly surprised. right. The steaks were already frozen. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that process. Hmm. Well, I know that if, if you're looking for uh, the most hmm. expensive steaks I've seen in a supermarket is in Alawa, Al Alawa, whatever that supermarket is called. Uh, Aloshra. Aloshra, yeah. yeah, it's like forty quid for like forty, forty. Yeah, they get in. Like... A, yeah, but they get in a lot of certified stuff. Like, I mean, if you if you got the money, it's it's 
then I, how do fine. you justify that? Yeah, not in this market. Like they've got a section where where they've actually got the the marble grading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, seen so, that. so U.S. certified, New Zealand certified, Japanese certified. They've got fucking wagyu for yeah. like hundred BD. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's how do you justify cheap. that? Yeah, I, and especially when majority of people don't know how to cook a steak properly. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and in this yeah. part of the world, most people cook it to like it's the sole of your shoe. Absolutely. And, and it's like becomes a, a pet's chew toy. And it's like, why, why would you have Wagyu when you, you're not even going to have it the way you're supposed to? For me, minute and a half on each side, uh, a little bit of salt and pepper, and you're good to go. Where, where you know, here at the weirdest thing, they have they have uh, hamor, they have local fish, hmm. but that's almost completely disappeared on restaurants menus. Now it's all either uh, you know salmon or sea bass. I'm, I'm guessing because of price. I'm no, assuming. no, not at all. Um, during, during my time in the... In the hospitality industry in, in Abu Dhabi, the uh, hummer got fished out, so due to overfishing. So this is why every now and again they would have um, bans on on fishing for certain types of things. And they have the same thing in place here, where certain seasons you're not allowed to for, for fish for prawns, for example. Mm. Uh, but but then they find people still doing it, and they arrest them. They put them in jail. It's like you've been told not to do it, and you're still doing it. Which is fair enough. But one, one thing, the initiative they tried to do in the hotels in Abu Dhabi going back to 2010 was called a sustainable menu. So were, Hummel was not allowed to be on the menu. And it's like, I don't even like Hummel. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a smelly kind of slimy fishy fish. fish. It's not like a, a meaty like cod or, or, mm-hmm. or, or salmon or, or tuna or, or so, you know, something like that. Um, but, but big in Middle Eastern cuisine. And that was taken off, and, they, and on the menu it said, right, we're not putting hum off because we're trying to build back the population. So instead we're using this fish, so we're looking after the local... I never knew that. Yeah, that, that was in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if it went beyond that to Dubai, but, but it was due to overfishing. I, I mean, if it's happening in Abu Dhabi, I'd imagine it's the statewide system. Yeah, I'd imagine it's, so. it's, it's demand, because it comes down to... To, to have demand. more Westerners in, in Dubai. So yeah. I'd imagine it'd be like but, salmon but, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, as, as much as Western culture will eat a lot of fish, hummor is not, you know, it might get hidden in fish and chips or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as far as an, as an actual dish, um, people, uh, Westerners are more likely to choose, you know, uh, sea bass, you know, ones that they've heard of from back home and it's like, well, I don't know what that fish is. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll stick with what I know, which is probably going to be priced a lot, a lot more. Cause you know, they'll bring into the supermarkets here, Atlantic salmon, and they'll bring in tuna that's, that's, um, but was already frozen from its last location. So they say, take it home, but don't freeze it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, what I find fascinating is, is, you know, like deep sea fishes, uh, you know, like swordfish and stuff like mm. that. They're so high in mercury levels now. That you can only eat. Their recommendation is one a year. Oh yeah, that's how bad it's gotten. That's all right. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's um no, it was it was a weird day because um just trying to like I'm even wearing this because my Australian football has restarted again. So I was w- watching that on the TV live from Melbourne at at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. Gotta love time difference. We'll get a TV as well one day. And <laughs> yeah. Then we yeah, can have a match or something I, I, on the I, side. I can, I can do the commentary and I can explain how the game works. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm familiar with rugby, but I think the rest of the world sadly isn't. Uh, no, Aussie rules is a different sport. Completely. Oh, is it? It's not rugby. It's a different game. Well, it, it's our game. Rugby is English. Uh, okay. So my Australian football, my dad actually used to work for the club as well. Oh shit. So, so you got real heritage in there. Oh, it's, 
out predates a lot of current sports. Seriously, it's, it's been been around since eighteen fifty something. Oh yeah. wow! But because Australia is so far away, and with the time difference, no one gets to watch it. I mean, there's the the, the U.S. has the same problem though with basketball and yeah, American football. But, but that's and all that. that's their entire world. So with Aussie rules, it was only a. Uh, really played in Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, and Tasmania. Mm. But the game has grown, so it's now our biggest sport. Mm. Uh, but, but there is, there is uh, amateur competitions around the world. There's even one in the Middle East. Mm. Um, there was actually a team here in Bahrain. I tried to get it up and running again, but mm. it's tough to get you know 10 to 15 guys to commit to a weekly uh, session. It's to, it, yeah, I played for the team in Abu Dhabi, so they've got, a, they've got a league there. So I played for the Abu Dhabi Falcons for a couple of seasons. Uh, but but obviously due to COVID it, it slowed down. But I think it's picking back. Is there up like again. an Australian club or something for you, chaps? Uh, no, there's there used to be an Australian society, but yeah. over the years since obviously 2000, uh, since the Arab Spring, uh, numbers of Australian have kind of they've left. As soon as stuff becomes an issue, it's like nah, screw nah, that, do I'm that. out of here. Um, so I'm in touch with the Australian embassy in Riyadh mm. and trying to get them to do stuff over here. Uh, the population of Australians is, as far as I understand, is picking up again. Mm. I think a number of Australian businesses are starting to set up in the financial harbour. Mm. It's, it's, it'll come back out, but a lot of Aussies won't show up to like Australia Day, like not like the Americans for 4th of July. Here, a lot of the Aussies, it's a lot of families and they tend to pretty much keep to themselves. So, so I, how, sorry, so, so I have to get my, this in my head straight. So, I, I mean, for me, I did the whole podcast because I enjoy meeting people and I get to have a conversation yeah. with cigars and we can have a good talk. Absolutely. But f from, from, your life has been from going to bars, uh, <laughs> clubs, uh, then, then restaurants, then eventually uh, event management and now into radio. So I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to follow, follow where that, where that, all right. Okay. I've. I tell you what. I, I feel like every decade of my life has has been a different, is like a different chapter. Um, I've lived in seven. You'd say seven different countries around the world. Brilliant. Um, from from the moment uh, I think in my late teens, I, I did. I, as much as you know, you love being where you're from, and and Melbourne is home, and you know you miss your family and that. But I always wanted to see how the other side lived. Mm. Uh, so it was. Too too far and too expensive to just say just go to go to New York for a week. Mm. It's not. It's you know it takes eighteen to twenty hours in each direction. So the best way to do it was to get visas and work. So as soon as I finished high school, I left. I was originally going to work in South Africa, mm. setting up restaurants, but that fell through mm. uh, with with a couple of friends, and then uh, ended up working in the summer camp industry. Mm. So worked there, had a fantastic time. I kept going back. So you're there in the U.S. for six months of the year. The money that you would make, you'd travel all over the U.S. So I've been to over, over, over thirty states in the oh, U.S. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. So uh, and and both sides of Canada, and and then you meet people from all over the world. Mm. I never wanted to go to the U.K. because I thought, why would I go there? The the only thing more more miserable than the weather is the people. <laughs> but I went there. I got I got. And a you visa. went to Manchester, all yeah, places. I, I, I tell you what, no. Well, I, I started off in London, okay. and that that's where I felt it was true. The weather was miserable, and so were the people. I found it, found it very difficult to make friends in London. 
Um, I was I was working in in a pub in Covent Garden, and uh, you were and, pretty central. Yeah, so so I enjoyed it, but I just found it I just found it very cold as just as a personality. As a, yeah, as a, yeah. Uh, I, I went back to the states. I went back to the UK, and a friend of mine said, "What are you doing in London? Why don't you come up to Manchester?" And, and within forty eight hours, I'd packed my bags and went up. Jeez. And I stayed there for over a year. And then once my visa finished, went back to Australia, went back to the US. And then I'm like, where can I go now? And I went, oh, Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. I don't know anyone over there. I went over there and I walked into a hard rock cafe in Temple Bar. And, and I said... Uh, in Dublin and Ireland, yeah. So I lived there. Yeah. So, so I worked at Hard Rock, made some of the greatest friends in the world. And a lot of them I'm still in touch with even today. I flew back for a wedding. They're opening one here, aren't they, Hard Rock? As uh, well? well, the one closed down here in Exhibition Road. Yeah. That closed down a couple of years ago, just before COVID kicked in. Because um, they originally wanted to make it dry. They wanted to remove the alcohol. And, mm, uh, that's not and Hard Rock said, uh, no. So they've been scouting for a new location for some time. It will come back, but they're trying to decide... Because I've listened uh, to your podcast and I remember you spoke ah, about it. Ah, there you go. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. so the, uh, trying to decide on whether to be near the American base, uh, in American Alley, to be closer for the Americans or to mm. be in uh, Adelaide where the action is. But Hard Rock Cafe needs to be in a, in a stand... Well, yeah. well, it needs to be alcohol, but it needs to be a standalone venue. Mm. So they're not going to open up one in a hotel. Mm. It needs to be a standalone unless it's a hard rock hotel. Mm. So, but if they go into Adlia, they, they're going to need a lot of parking and Adlia. Hard rock happen. hotel could work. I mean, I saw one a couple of years back. Yeah. Well, hard rock hotel has been a, a, a big, it's been big and it's, and it's getting bigger, but whether they, they were supposed to be opening a hard rock hotel in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if they actually did or not. Because I'm right next to the Sheraton on the Corniche there, mm -hmm. but that, that was a plan, but I don't think it ever, ever opened. I think they might've pulled out. Um, but as far as opening up one here, I don't think it has the, the population. Well, to not so much it. the population. It doesn't really have, uh, we know the a lot of work is happening for tourism and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. it would literally rely on the, on the Navy base and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, 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 where, yeah, yeah. Where, where if it's in Dubai, it seems to be a better, better fit. fit. Sure. Uh, but, but that could evolve or change, but they will reopen a hard rock, but I think it's just for location and just, where they want to see themselves. Because with Hard Rock Cafe, they open up one. Mm. They normally take out a 20 to 25 year lease mm. uh, and because they'll go into the hotspot. That's why it was in Exhibition Road. Mm. Go back 20, 25 mm. years. That was the hotspot. Mm. Now it's a, it's a different kind of spot. Like uh, Chile <laughs> with Seif. They yeah. used to have that. Chile used to be in Seif and that kind of like yeah. disappeared because... Of... Now everything is uh, Jaffer and Adlia. It's the latest hotspot. So maybe Hard Rock will look at maybe the, the new beachside towns that they're planning out, out yeah, in yeah, Zalak, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that, or, yeah. or maybe out, out where they're doing stuff now, out uh, Muharak, mm. you know, where they're, they're starting, not, not Muharak, uh, out in uh, Dilmunia, mm -hmm. out that way. Maybe they'll look at something like that, but it'd, it'd be a few years. And away. for our audience, that went real local, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you now go from bars then... Because I can see your passion in it, yeah, and now you're going into podcasting and radio. Well, well, when I moved to the Middle East, I moved to Abu Dhabi in uh, December 2009 mm. uh, to run an Irish venue. Uh, I was in the Maldives before that, believe it or not, with the underwater restaurant. Jesus I, I worked Christ. there, but uh, it was a little bit, a little <clears throat> bit too much for me. I lasted about six weeks, and it was wasn't the greatest of experiences. Did you have people trying to break your legs, or why are you moving so quickly uh, all the time? But, but, 
it's I was, <laughs> I was once given the nickname of of shanography that I always oh. wanted to be everywhere except where I was. was yeah. Um, but but the Maldives was was it was too it was hard when when you're somebody who likes to travel and move around and you're very isolated and you're working long hours and and I was I was I was a manager so I was managing the bars there and you were literally sh- sh- there was no privacy you're yeah. literally sharing a a room like maybe a bit bigger than this with Ooh. two other people single bed sharing a bathroom uh, not even partitions or, or anything like that so it was it was very uh, hard and and you start to get what they call island fever mm. so where you get like feeling mm. of stuck so I left after six weeks there was a lot more stories but. Mm. Doesn't need to. I'll, ta- I'll, ta- yeah. I'll tell you off camera because it was, uh, yeah, it was wasn't the greatest. So I took a job in Abu Dhabi, and uh, and I applied for the job on the sly while I was in the Maldives. Started running a, a bar, and then the bar liked what I was doing, so they promoted me to PR and marketing for the Five Star Hotel. I did that for a year. Management changed, and then a liquor company hired me to to do sales, marketing. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. that's how we met. You were yeah. you were just transitioning from... Yeah, from... but that was a different company. So that oh, was in, in okay. Abu Dhabi. I worked for a, a liquor company there. Okay. And then after there, I got uh, a guy that I knew here was starting a new team is he, with does, GBI. Is he a big... Does he have a bit of a belly like me and, and no, no, with no, the hair back? A, no, this is the guy who is now the GM of GBI now, Travis. Okay. He... he, he called me about three or four times in Abu Dhabi, mm. offering me to come and join his team over here. Mm. And on the fourth time, I said yes. Mm, mm. And I came over and I was with the company for four and a half years. And due to COVID, COVID didn't do much for anyone. Don't you think it's weird that in the alcohol shops, they don't sell cigars? Which I would think... Because of, because of the, the tax on it. Oh, is it because, because of the tax? Yeah. Well, well I mean, you, you can do it, but it's the maintenance. And, and you also, they would have to get a separate license. Because I would imagine that that's like a pure, that, like those, those two things yeah. go together like cars and petrol. It, it would make sense, but I don't think the demand is there. Really? Be, yeah, because, because like with alcohol, when you put all the taxes on top, I mean, people are willing to pay X amount for, for a case of beer. And they're like, okay, I get it. But with cigars, the volume is not there and the maintenance of, of looking after the humidor and the stock and mm, supply. Mm, mm, mm. The best thing to do for cigars here is to buy your own. Yeah. I won't buy, I won't buy a cigar in a hotel mm. because of the markup. Mm. Mm. I saw in one venue, I won't mention the venue, but it was, it was for a basic entry-level cigar. It was 17.5. Yep. Yep. Which is ridiculous. When yep. I know which I, one you're talking about because that's about the same I paid for this. That's why. No. Yeah. Because everything else was out of stock. I went to every yeah. other shop. And I, I mean, if you have contacts, you can mm. give me that. I can get maybe some cigars yeah, from. Then yeah. let me know, please. I'm, yeah, absolutely. Please. Absolutely. So you went there and then you did yeah, podcasts? So, so what it was is that when I left, when I left GBI, I mean, it was, it was redundancy. It was COVID. You know, everyone was hit hard. Uh, and, and a lot of hotels were hit hard. And, and when I left and everyone goes, why don't you join another liquor company? And be like, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. It's like now I've got, a, now I've got an opportunity to maybe potentially do something that, that I've maybe I've always wanted to do. And mm. so in everything that I've done in the years that I've been traveling the world and doing things, I'm, I love entertaining people. I love, I love being on a microphone. I love making jokes. Uh, and, and, and I thought, Bahrain is missing something. 
if you go to every bar, everything is happy hour and ladies' night, and everyone, everything's a copy-paste. And there's a lot of things that are missing. So I decided to create my own small company called Standout Events. Mm. Name being everything that I do, I want to stand out from everything else. Makes sense. So uh, I developed a, a number of different concepts. Some of them are still in development. And trying to sell these as, a, as an idea, and they're like, the first thing they ask, so where else are you doing it? Yeah, it's always that, it's isn't like, it? It's like, so, so you could get something potentially cool. You could be the first but you want somebody else to do it first? What, where is the mentality behind this? So It's a very follow society. So Yeah, it, exactly. It so then it came to where everyone goes, oh, can't, can't you just do a quiz night? And I went, I don't want to become a, a quiz night company. Can I do a quiz night? Yes. But do I want to be a quiz night company? No. Because it's a lot of time and effort and research. I think to you have put to be together. British as well to do that properly. It's, I think that's a, a requirement. Yeah. Quiz night is, is very British and trivia night is more American. So mm. just just for just to get the ball rolling, I agreed to do it and I do it in a few places and I'm still doing it now. So during that, as people get to know who you are and the personality and your style, then it starts to open up other things. But when I got my CR, the beginning of last year, January last year, mm. and the day that I got it, then mm. it was, you got the, the memo from the ministry saying, no events. Mm -hmm. So, so during, this is where the podcast idea. So when I started Standout uh, Bahrain Podcast, it was basically to keep me busy while trying to grow my name and grow my brand and what I'm doing. And because I knew a lot of people from the industry, and they're like, podcasts are still relatively new in Bahrain. So when I looked it up, there was maybe 10, uh, and most of them were, were either for mosques in certain areas. I think there was one for the Catholic Church here. So, so based on religion, then there was a lot on uh, business and IT and these kind of things. And I'm like... People don't know much about the nightlife industry, and it's Absolutely like, well, I've, I've got I've got great connections, and so based on the people that I know, I started uh, just creating it. And I'll I'd, add your link, by the way, on the bottom, just for everyone who's listening. <laughs> please check him out. Thank you. It, it's it, it's but it was starting from scratch. It was a way of trying to keep busy during COVID, but also bring a little bit of uh, humanity to the F and B industry where people go out and people spend money, but people don't understand the flip side of it. So every, every show was about, I would always have a special guest, somebody from the industry. Mm. So I, I'd, I'd have them on the show and I'd talk to them about not only COVID and how it affected the business, but how business was doing and, and these kind of things. And it gave a whole reality. It gave a whole, um, you know, whether it's the dark side of letting go staff, how have you maintained? What have you done with this stuff over this time? And it just kind of gave some truth. Absolutely. Um, but, but while giving them a platform and a voice where you could go into, I'd say, I come into your restaurant. Mm. And it's like, and you say, you know, and, and it's, yes, sir, what can I get you? And can do this and this. And they're, they're treated in a certain way. But they don't talk back that you don't know their story. You don't know how they ended up there. You know, where is their concept from? To everyone else, it's a restaurant. You're, you're just serving me food. But what puts people into that perspective, opening a restaurant in Bahrain or doing these things? So it gave a little bit of insight and just uh, a little bit of a, a human touch to what a lot of people take for I mean, granted. I've, I've checked out your shows, by the way, and I think they're really great. Uh, Thank I, you. I, I love the concept behind it. I think there, there is a real necessity, a missing point where, where 
the other end of the publicum who works and staffs don't feel really connected, if that makes yeah. sense. No, right? 100%. And, and, and they feel almost like, like what they're going through is, is, is almost isolated to what everyone else. And it's only yeah. when you start like going like, oh, you know what? That other restaurant staff is also going through what I'm going 100%, through. 100%, 100%. But, it, but it's because Bahrain thrives on, on this culture but they don't have the understanding of the, of the bigger picture. So I like the idea of giving them a platform to tell their story, to tell their story. But also, um, I never used it as a, a, a promotional platform. Like I would say, right, if you listen to this show, go in and see them, tell so-and-so uh, that you said hi, that you heard them on the podcast, and they'll give you something. It was not anything that was going to hurt the business. So it could be like if it was a... a an American place and be like, we've got a new range of sliders. Come in, say that you listen to the podcast and we'll Absolutely. let you try one Absolutely. free of charge. Absolutely. These kind of things I like to do. I don't like to do it. It's like you must go in there and, and these kind of, but I like to try and give something back to people who are listening because podcasts are still relatively new. I, I mean, not only is it relatively new, but I, it, it has something that radios and TV and YouTube misses. And that's a long form discussion where two people can actually- 100%. Sit down. Because radio now is like, as I know now. Well, well, it's, it's, see how I'm leading you into the, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the less is more. Yes. Less is more. So I'll have my little cutaways and stuff like that, but there's no real in-depth discussions. So this is why people like Joe Rogan are doing well, because when you have different topics and different people, so even when I started doing my podcast, it's like if I did one American restaurant, I wouldn't, my next episode was not another American restaurant. So I made sure that I showed the diversity of the industry. So I, I had a food blogger, I had an influencer, I had uh, the, the manager of one of the private clubs, mm. just to, to show uh, you know, whether it was a cocktail bar and people in just different parts of the F&B industry, just to show how diverse it is and how everything has affected the last two years and, and what are the plans and what are the thoughts in place to move forward and how to get beyond that. So you show the dark side, but you also show the positive and side as, as well. And as a benefit to you, you get to put your fingers on the heartbeat of restaurants. Yeah. And, and understanding the industry more than 100%. anyone else because you get the opportunity of meeting all these people. For, for my and the show, because I'm very fortunate in being able to invite you and, and, and people who are just in so versely different industries. We had yeah. somebody on for anti-money laundry, uh, someone on who mm. was for 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 uh, health management in pharmaceutical companies, mm. and it, every time I finish discussion like today, I didn't know how to smoke a cigar. I didn't know <laughs> th the back end of how restaurants uh, semi functioned, and and now I'm I'm leaving today more for fit more richer than I oh absolutely came in right absolutely it's and, a it's a beauty of just having an open discussion. We've talked about. Traveling, we've talked about cigars, we've talked about uh, COVID, which has been edited out. Sorry, guys. Uh, but <laughs> beep, yeah, the longest deeply in uh, YouTube history. So, how did you end up with the radio thing? Uh, well, I, I don't want to keep you if you have to leave, by the way. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll have time. Uh, it's three o'clock, so it's up it's to you. It's three o'clock. We're okay. Okay. We're okay. I'll probably go about half hour and then I'll have to. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So, so what happened was is that uh, I always wanted to be in radio. It was like the dream job. So in high school, I, I started the, the high school uh, radio station. Mm. Uh, I did that. And mm. then I did work experience in one of the, the top uh, radio stations at the time, which was uh, Fox FM back then. And, and, and the two okay. radio DJs that I, I did that with, they went on to be big. So they were only young at the time, but they went on to be big. And some of them were on TV now. So, so there is a thread why so, you're yeah, doing yeah. this. So, so you had experience so I, always had, I, no, I didn't have the experience, but I had the, the interest. Mm. 
Um, and, and then over the years, I'd always, I've always been a professional public speaker. So I've been doing that for, for 30 years, public speaking. So emceeing events and these kind of, I always had the passion, always loved being on, on a microphone and always loved having an audience. Mm. And while I was in, in Bahrain, I, I, uh, I was friends with some of the former DJs. So a friend of mine, uh, uh, Paul Fraser, who is unfortunately back in Scotland, um, he brought me in and, and I sat in Radio Bahrain. This is going back maybe four or five years ago. Mm. Sat in with them, auditioned, and they wanted to offer me something, but the company that I was working for, they said, we pay for your visa, we pay for your accommodation. So you're not doing so this. So you're, e you're either working with us or you're working with them. That's never good. Which was, which was not nice because, I mean, originally they said, oh, we'll put you on a weekend so it won't affect your work, mm. which would have been ideal. Mm. But they, they said, fine, I, I won't do it. So I mm. let it sit. So it was January last year. They were advertising for a newsreader, and I thought, get myself a foot in the door. Why not? So I uh, got called in for an audition with the, the GM, uh, uh, Imran, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I sat in the studio, and, and I gave my delivery. And they said, uh, you sure you want to be a, a, a news presenter? And I thought, did I go that badly? <laughs> and they said, wouldn't you rather be a, a presenter and have a show? And I said... You're not advertising for a presenter. You're advertising for a newsreader. I want to get a foot in the door. Now, like, well, I'll tell you what, how about you audition for both? And I went, okay. Okay. So I auditioned for both. And, uh, and they, they said, fantastic. And they said, but the thing is, we have no positions available right now. So <laughs> we, want, we, want Sorry, you, yeah. we want you as a presenter, but we have no positions. And I went, I went well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how quickly can you empty a balloon? <laughs> Yeah, so, and I'm like, okay. Ridiculous. Okay, okay, fine. So it was, it was a long process, and then it was, and this was months, and they said, we now need to go to the board for approvals, and then, and now needs to, and they're like, oh, Isn't that the joke? Isn't that the joke? And that everything needs to be signed up by three people? But, but, but it wasn't just that, and then it was like, oh, we're, we're bringing in, we're updating the system, we're bringing in new equipment, great. And then they, they brought in the new CEO, uh, Omar Shaheen. Uh, they brought him on board in September. And so everything was just like, I'm like, I'm like I didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. So they brought in uh, some new presenters. Uh, they brought in Dave Cleary in September and they brought in more in October. And then uh, I was brought in for training. So I met with everybody and it was like started the training. And then it was this, this and this. And then they finally did the relaunch in February. So I was a part of that. And so I've only technically only been on the radio for like the last month or so, just three nights a week. So it's finally happening. But right now, a lot of the shows, it's a little bit of pre-recording at the moment, just while I'm getting used to being live. Sure, sure, sure. Because sure. it it's not the same as doing this. It's sure. not the same as emceeing an event. Sure. Doing it on the radio is a, a little bit harder. But, but yeah, it's... It's been a process, but I, I am enjoying it. But I'm just somebody just trying to get ahead of myself and just probably trying to get too much done. Well, let me let, let's understand this then. What is the big difference between between recording for a podcast and recording for radio, other than the format, of course? Is there really like, or do you feel a more like pressing tension because you know it's out to millions of people? Oh, I, I, it's interesting. No, it? it's interesting to way to put it. So when when I'm in the studio and I'm recording, if I'm doing my show, it's only me. Sure, it's only me. It's like we're here. We're having a conversation. I'm talking with somebody. We're talking about topics that we know. Sure, and 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 
Or we don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better. Or, or pretending that we know, yeah, you know, uh, which I'm sure we'll find out in the comments below. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, w when you're on the radio, you need to be more mindful of your audience. Okay. And the, the one the one piece of advice that I'm, I've been given to by everybody there is when you're talking on the radio, you're talking as if you're talking to one person. Don't yeah, think yeah, 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 yeah. everyone in Bahrain is listening to you yeah. and, and, and saying, you guys, and I hope you all out there having a great time. That, that you all out there is one guy driving to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's talking to me in that manner. But then also you've also got to understand is that you, you've, Bahrain is a massive melting pot of so many different cultures. cultures absolutely. So... If you do a Hindi radio, that's going to pick up like like <laughs> Well, the the thing is, is that with with my accent, my my accent is is not a typically thick Australian accent because I don't talk like I'm talking through my nose. Mm, mm. Uh, and because I've done a lot of public speaking, and also I've worked with a lot of people where English is a second language, uh, so you speak a lot slowly and a lot more clearly. And so on the radio and on a microphone. People can understand you. So even when I do my my quiz nights, I could have a, a Bahraini team. I could have a South African team. Sure, uh, everyone can understand me. And and so you're not using I, big words. I, on yeah, I, but I, I, I'm mindful else. of that. But but trying to keep the enthusiasm there. But when you don't have the uh, see the audience for the reaction. I could throw in a joke and it could have fallen flat and I have no idea. Which is the best, isn't I it? I could have had, and I could have had, even if I had 20, 30 people roaring, laughing with a, with a simple throwaway joke, I'll never know. <laughs> so it's that not knowing who your audience is. So you, you're very mindful because you want to make sure that, you know, expletives and that aside, you want to make sure you don't say the wrong thing. Sure, 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 sure. So there's some jokes that I want to make and I kind sure. of have to pull it back. And I think that's why it's good that I'm pre-recording now rather than going live and it's like, well, I can't take that back. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, I mean, that gets in the front pages though very quickly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, usually in the same transition, I'll, I'll be reading the newspaper on my way out and it's like, Oh, so that's where I went wrong. <laughs> there we go. Off to the next adventure. Yeah, then, yeah. As they say. So it's like, don't worry, I'll send it to everyone, sign it and frame it. <laughs> well, well, I love the idea of, of, of you, you going from alcohol to podcasting and finding yourself on radio. I think that's a journey. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. I, I tell you what, my life would make an in interesting movie if I could remember half of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah. It's too much it's, of the sauce, I imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's one of those things where... I always look for the for the next the next Adventure. dopamine hit the the next excitement the next the next new the the traveling to a new country the living in a new country the the something that's of interest I I hate being in a routine yeah. I, hate, I I I don't like the normal I I, I want the mundane so, yeah I I want something that's interesting like like even going back talking about going into a bar and trying the one beer you've never heard of and it's like that could be the one beer that makes your day yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's like or, or going going to the restaurant and smile like well I have the chicken Caesar salad because I know I like it uh, and and picking something it could be the 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 ostrich egg sure <laughs> omelet sure we we can do that one day together exactly for absolutely but, we'll but do it with tears that constant want and need for something unique mm. because when everyone is you can't say everyone but when a lot of people love being in routine they love getting up uh, and having their coffee going to the gym for the or going for their morning run going for a cycle. And it keeps them happy that they're in that in that loop of consistency. 
they're going to work, they're making their money, you know, and, and when a lot of people travel, they're not really traveling. They'll go home. Sure, like, sure, a, sure, a, sure, sure. Or they go to my, the place Whether it's been. my South African friends and it's like a lot of them will travel extensively, but they all want to go home. Like if, if you're living here from the UK, the last thing I'd want to do is go back to the UK. You know the weather is miserable. <laughs> It's like, for me, I'm like, where have I not been? You left been? to escape those people. You don't want to go where back to go meet them again. Where have I not been? I mean, even still, like, uh, even how, how I met my wife was based on, based on that decision, that decision process. And is she the same kind of character like you that she no, also wants to travel? She's, no, she's, she's my yin and, yin and yang. So she likes... When she likes she's very, very quiet, very introvert. But, but that was the thing. I went to a new country... I'd never been to before. Mm. I couldn't even point it out to her on a map. A guy that I knew suggested it to me for months. So you were already with her in Dubai then? No, I met her while I was living here in Bahrain. Oh, but she, okay, I went okay, to okay, her okay. country. Okay. And I was sorry. Where she's from, by the I, way? Uh, she's from Georgia, Tbilisi, okay. Georgia. Okay. So I'd never been there before. I couldn't even point it out a on a map. A lot of map. beautiful girls are from Tunisia. You didn't do a bad pick. Yeah. Good pick, my man. So, so in. Uh, so in, in Tbilisi, uh, I went there. Uh, it was a guy that I knew from Radisson Blue here. Mm. So, uh, and he kept, and he used to live there. And he goes, you would love it over there. Food, travel, these things. And I, and I said, all right, you sold it to me. Could I do it for a long weekend? He goes, yeah. So it was Ashura 2017. I went over there for three days. And he goes, let me speak to some, some of the people I worked with in the hotel. Maybe I can find somebody who can show you around. I said, I'm used to traveling on my own. So let's see. You know, if you do, cool. If you don't, you don't. And she was the first one to say yes. So she sh sh said yes, and she showed me around Tbilisi, and uh, we had a fantastic time. Uh, and we stayed in touch. We well, stayed the in Australian touch. charm worked clearly. Uh, oh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Australian charm, it's, uh, yeah, don't look that up in a dictionary because <laughs> it doesn't mean what it says. Uh, but, but yeah, so we stayed in touch and, and we, we traveled back and forth and uh, we, we met up in different countries around the world and then we settled down. But she's the yin and yang, so she's the one who tries to keep me grounded where I'm the one who's constantly wanting to go out and do something new, try something new, whether it's work or, or you know, there, there could be a, a new sport, you know, this paddle thing I'm wanting to try just because it's new. Sure, sure, sure. I, I'm, I may hate it, but because it's new and You'll something different, I have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. all about those firsts. They're the ones that you remember. You don't remember the 10th the time you jumped on the treadmill this week. So, so where, where do you guys live? Do you live in, in Jaffair? We're in Jaffair. We're in Jaffair. We've always been in Jaffair. So uh, I was in staff, well, I can't really call it staff accommodation. It was um, hotel apartments. But when I was working for the previous company, they gave us a place to live. It was brand new at the time. Do you mind if I ask how much you're paying for rent? Uh, where I'm paying now, uh, we actually got a really, really good deal. Sorry, We're, this is going to get real local now again, but go on. That's okay. We, we, when we moved out and because of COVID and everything, we wanted to just find something that was basic but catered to our needs. Sure, so sure, so sure. All, all we looked, all we wanted for was sure. uh, two bedrooms, sure. balcony, sure. open plan kitchen, sure. and shower. I don't like bathtubs. Who wants, who wants to lie in their own filth? Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree <laughs> so, with you. So I had to have a st stand-up shower. And I wanted the flexibility for pets in case we decided to get one. Mm. And uh, we looked around and we saw a lot of really old places and, and stuff like that. And then we found this one place that was fairly brand new. It was out by American, American Alley mm. and 375. Okay. Very, very basic setup. But, but, but for a two-bed, yeah? Two-bedroom. Okay. Uh, two bathrooms. Uh, open plan kitchen, and I had a little balcony. 
Not bad. Uh, you're able to put a chair and table out there, have a glass of wine on the balcony when the weather is nice. Like, perfect. And then literally, I, I tell you now, because we've been there for a year, because we're, we're contemplating looking somewhere else, mm. literally a month and a half after we moved in, uh, about 10 families all moved in and all with kids aged oh, between God. 5 and 15. Oh, God. So there's an army of them, even right now. So if we went to my place now, they'll all be outside, 20 to 30 of them, and screaming and shouting, and you feel like they're, they're you know, they're, they need to be medicated. Um, but so you can't even sit out on the balcony any, anymore and enjoy a, a quiet dinner because they're, they're playing, they're playing football, they're playing cricket, and they're screaming and shouting, they're playing tag, and they're running through the car parks and stuff like that, and almost hitting them. Because car park, because over over the winter it gets dark by five o'clock. Sure, you meant the car, not yeah. you physically assaulting them. Well, that is also an option. <laughs> it has not. No, it's never gone through my head. Well, See, I want to make a convict. <laughs> I want to make a convict joke now, but I feel like it's so you, overdone. You no, it's okay. You can make convict jokes, but it's, the one thing I like to say is is that okay. Where are you from originally? Uh, everywhere. I was born in Germany. Born in Germany. Mm. Okay, so how long have you been in Bahrain? Oh, in and out. My my dad used to work here, so thirty years. Okay. Do you do you consider yourself as Bahraini? Definitely not. Exactly. So when it comes to the convicts, when they came to Australia, they weren't Australian, they were British. Sure. <laughs> so, absolutely. It's, a, sure. it's, true. A, it's a one thing that I point out. True, true. It's like, it's true. Like, yeah, petty criminals sure. who are apparently really good at cricket. Sure. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Not, not, a bad, not, a bad, uh, not a bad thinking on it. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I wasn't yeah, serious. Yeah. That serious. I, I, I know. Thing, but but the yeah. thing is, the thing is, <laughs> being, being an Australian, we're, we're a minority here. We're a minority. Where are you? You're a minority everywhere outside of Australia. What, yeah, that, as a sentence doesn't yeah, make yeah, sense. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, unless you go to Bali during the yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's so many Russians in Bali. By the way, have you ever been? Uh, I haven't been there since I was a kid, and I'll never go back. There's so many Russians now. Oh, there's Russians everywhere. That They're and, everywhere but Russia. And Goa. <laughs> Goa is just packed with them. Uh, I haven't been to Goa yet. It's definitely on the to-do list. You need to go, mate. You need yeah, to go. Yeah. You can take the wife. You can, you, oh, absolutely. You can get you one of those, like, like you know those, like, uh, sunglasses, those mirrored sunglasses? Yeah. And then you can just sh go and stare at those Russian girls just going oh. up and down the beach, and you can just... Uh -huh. But I tell you what, the next my next travel is either going to be to Turkey or I'm going to go back to Sri Lanka. Well, Sri Lanka is also very nice. Yeah, I was supposed to move there. <laughs> what, what is it with Arabs and Turkey? Because everyone is crazy about Turkey. Every person I speak to in Bahrain, yeah, all they say is Turkey, I, Turkey, I, Turkey. I don't know, to be honest. It's I've never been there as, as a country. Uh, I've got a friend over there who has a villa and uh, I haven't seen him for years and, and he's invited me and the wife over there and I thought it's a good chance to check something out but it, it never really interests me because I, I don't want it to, to sound wrong. When you live in the Middle East and you go to a, uh, another middle, technically Middle Eastern country, it's like, it feels like same, same Sure, different. sure, 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 sure. When, whenever I go, I want to change in food, I want to change in culture because you can, there's a lot of Turkish food here across the Middle East. There's a lot of Turkish food in Greece, which uh, they don't so, want to talk about. Yeah, either yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of it is turkish but they call it Greek. yeah 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 especially the sweets <laughs> oh. oh we've only been there for 50 generations yeah yeah that's yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah d d yeah the true origins of, of hummus and tzatziki yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but yeah so as far as turkish food and it's like even in australia we have a large turkish population so you have the food and these kind of things but i i feel like i get told differently but i feel like i've 
it's not really enough for me to to go there. What, what is there as far as from a? I don't want to do the the classic tourism, but the one thing that I did see that kind of won me over is that there's a village in the mountains, and they do a an event with hot air balloons, right. and, and a lot of the housing seems to be built into the mountains. Oh yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah I yeah, forget yeah. the name of it, and I'm like, okay, now you've got my interest. Cape Town does that in South Africa as well. They have also like houses really? built into the into the mountain. I've been to Cape Town. I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah, like the private estate I've, villas. I've seen uh, the old historical sites in Georgia where they they going back dating back thousands of years where mm. they built. Um, uh, places in the caves and, and in Australia they have that as well so in uh, north in the central Australia there's a, a little mining town called Cooper Pedy mm. and I've been there once but because it's so hot that all the and they mine uh, for per, uh, for opals yeah and so a lot of the housing is is underground it's in it's in like in the old mines it's, I think Australia has a large deposit of titanium as well as as uh, you have a lot of brilliant mines in yeah, Australia. Oh yeah, we got mining for for everything. One of them is ti- our, uh, one is them titanium, which is usually mm. like a sand substance that they mm. that they find. Another one is uh, cobalt. I think you're also very big yeah. on diamonds as well, but I'm not sure. Uh, diamonds, no, I don't think so. Uh, uranium. Uranium is a big thing yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, gold maybe or gold, silver. Gold, not so much. Uh, well. I'm not, I'm not a meteorologist or whatever they're called. So I, <laughs> me, I me either. Me either. But, so but that's yeah. just what I hear. Yeah. But yeah, Turkey is, is, is just, well, when you've got a friend there, mate, you've got that incentive. Sure, 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 but sure, Sri Lanka sure. was supposed to move there because... Um, Before uh, you took a radio position. Now no, you're, now but, you're but, but stuck. No, G, GBI uh, Golf Brands uh, bought out a liquor company there. Okay. So I was going to go over there and help, help set up... Uh, their, their wine portfolio. Is that true? That I know that one of those Asian countries, I don't know which one, um, that the alcohol is cheaper than the soda. I think it, it's either Thailand or it's uh, Korea or somewhere. Uh, yeah, um, possi- possibly Thailand. Where possibly. a double Jack and Coke is cheaper than a single Jack and Coke because there's less Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I, I, that's that's what. I, yeah, that's what I've heard. I've seen some posts on Reddit and stuff but, like that. But it's always like, oh. fascinating when you've been in the Middle East and you, you you're used to the price of alcohol, and you go anywhere else and it's cheaper. Everyone gets excited. So, like, even when you're going back to to Tbilisi, when I went there for the first time, and you're having a pint of beer somewhere, and it was like 300 fills, and that was. And if you went to a five-star hotel, it was six hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so you're paying these prices, and and you'd be sitting at a table with your friends, and everyone's having some drinks, and you'd see the bill, and be like, "I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take care of this." It's like you've bought everyone drinks, and it's cost you less than five BD. It's how about you handle dinner tonight? I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, 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 do I'll, the I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. It's fine. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, what are you going to do with your new talk show then? You're going to do comedy bits. What's the, what's the plan behind it? Uh, with with the what sorry? With the talk show with the radio show. Are you planning on uh, doing the, comedy with the radio show? So, bits? because it, it it doesn't have actual content. It's just me kind of talking at the moment. Sure. Kind of kind of just showing that somebody is there. Sure. As I develop content, I I'm trying to avoid. I want to try to avoid what the others. Are. We haven't spoken about this at, at length yet because until they find out where they think I fit. Because um, a lot of the other presenters, are, some will talk about Netflix and some will talk about uh, what celebrity news and these kind of things. And I want to I try to avoid that to an extent. I don't mind a bit of music news and stuff like this. 
But as far as going down the, the celebrity rabbit hole, I want to I want to bring a little bit more Bahrain into it, a little mm. bit more uh, humor into it. So so have, having a bit of a joke and a laugh, obviously you've got to know where the goalposts are for radio for these kind of things, but being more about what's happening in the kingdom, you know, you know what what's going on but it, but it's also a, it's a double edged sword because sure. obviously from uh uh advertising sides of sure, things sure, as sure, well sure. so so you want to let people know that there's there's things to do and this weekend you can do this and and being more about Bahrain tourism absolutely i think yeah. with your voice and your attitude and the energy you give off i i, I would see you like maybe like talking about adventure holidays yeah. or adventure things to do water yeah. skiing yeah, whatever whatever right. yeah so whether whether it's um you know you know paddle boarding or or riding horses on the beach sure. uh, you know doing these things things that are a little bit unique and a little bit yeah but it's it's trying to get the platform right and trying to get the i'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you a million dollar idea right now for your, for your <laughs> here for we your go radio. all right i'm all these uh do a show about instagram postable material I tell you what, I heard this word for the first time only a few weeks ago. Instagrammable. Really? Instagrammable is it for being a word. There was a there was some influencer here in Bahrain who's showing video of, of food. Local Bahrain, uh, I bet you. Local BH, it, whatever it was, that is. They're, they're just, oh my god, this fo- this this food is so Instagrammable. And I went, You've got to be kidding me. There that you is go. Not a word. There you go. Uh, Bootylicious is a word. That, I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, but but we can thank Beyonce and Destiny's Child for sure. that. Sure. Uh, In a pickle is Shakespeare. You can thank yeah, them for that. That's true. That that is true. Um, you can thank but, the marketing team for Instagram for. <laughs> I, I, I could do one on memes. I could do one on memes. You know, because obviously that that's driven. But it, sure. it's, uh, Instagram because it's now TikTok. <laughs> Snapchat. Uh, no, t- TikTok, you're right. TikTok is really popular with the Arabs. You're right. You're 100% I have, I have actually floated the idea of Belay because uh, Radio Bahrain is on Instagram, not so much on Facebook, but they haven't gone into TikTok. And I said, if, and I said to them, if you, if you need uh, the, the radio jester, the class clown or the village idiot to do like a kind of a Radio Bahrain TikToks, you know, I'd, I'm not bothered. I'd, I don't mind doing the content because that's my personality. But recording it and editing it and putting it up somewhere—that's not what I want to be doing. It's like if it's somebody a lot says, of "Headache as well." Yeah, and then and then you start cringing at your own work. <laughs> it's like you might make people laugh, but when you see yourself doing that thing, you're just like, oh, "Just do you not just do that." Hate hearing your own voice, especially if you have to edit it. Oh yeah. my god. Well I had, when I edit the podcast, you kinda kinda get used to it, but then you notice certain things. So my setup isn't as quite as classy as Thank this. you very much. I appreciate um, it. I, I just use the basic lapels and, and because I keep it mobile, so the, the audio quality is is not where it needs to be. But, my but man, that, these two you can get microphone of these ones for a hundred BD. Surely yeah. if you're invested into your podcast, a hundred BD isn't gonna kill you <laughs> to save up to buy two mics. D- during COVID, hundred BD would have caught, killed me for anything. <laughs> sure, I get you. But I'm saying for a yeah. longer period, yeah. come on. Oh no, as a as a longer term investment, it was uh, yeah, while I was developing it and getting it off the ground and trying to get uh as much content and guests and stuff like that, I thought I'll keep it simple. And if I develop an audience, then then you know, whether you get the podcast sponsored. Any, if there was any, that's going to be difficult to get that. It happening. is hard, 
And, but I thought if I was ever going to get to that, then any investment would go into improving the equipment, improving the, the situation. Because when you do a podcast, is, is it you've, you've got the, the issues with having the, the echo and the feedback and then even sometimes the feeding it. Yeah. yeah, so you have a lot By of these. By the way, these sound panels, you can buy them from Amazon and they cost about, like what, uh, 10 BD for a pack of like 50? Wow. These, these are just foam. That's all they are. That's cool. And you just stick them to your yeah. walls, and then that's it. You don't have to worry yeah. about echo. Yeah. That's your. That's cool. That's your. There. That's a, that's a free tip right there for that's you. That's a free tip. But a Amazon getting a plug. There you go. There you go. I, they show, I'm sure they need it. Um, that's all right. One of my mates works for Amazon. He'll appreciate yeah, it as well. One, their office space is somewhere around here in the corner. Uh, out that way. Out Sorry, to yeah, out yeah, Bahrain yeah. Bay. That yeah, that way. Yeah. 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 Well, so. Uh, I mean, what I find interesting, what you were just mentioning on, on, on the podcast and on your radio show and then on, tic, on the TikTok thing, the sponsorship for podcasting, I think it's going to be enormously difficult to find it here locally in Bahrain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Dubai, but, 100%. Yes. Saudi, 100%. D Dubai, Dubai is growing, and, and, I, and I was on a podcast going back a number of years ago in, in Dubai. Um, but as far as for here, while it's growing and trying to promote it as well, because it's not, it's still relatively new here. And, but I think with the content that I'm doing, that it is based on the F&B industry, it's hotels and nightlife. Um, it, if you do grow it, that it becomes a source of information of things that are going on, whether you're talking about the food festival or Local whether you're Bahrain, talking- they're, yeah. they're killing it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They, they, they do a lot of things. Um, and they're doing really well. They started doing a kind of a, a live podcast, but the content wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was it was a lot of uh, one person staring at the camera. Hey, you guys can. Uh, we're it takes gonna... time to develop I, I know. that personality. Yeah, you know it, that's I right. Know it. That's right. So so that's how it was. Um, but but with me, I'm I'm, but I'm not charging anyone to to be on the show and these kind of things because some some podcasts will will, will do that and yeah. be, because now that apple have created this new thing where where people can pay to listen to your podcast and now people think they have to pay to listen to my podcast and people have to pay to listen to my podcast people need to to i need to charge people to be on the show you know it's 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 a lot of gray area right now but i think uh, bahrain needs to move into this podcast realm and see it as a as a positive tool for Bahrain so I want people to think if I want to go out in Bahrain where am I going to get my information from is it going to be from somebody doing a, a TikTok dance outside of a brunch or is it coming from somebody who is actually having an interview with somebody from the industry talking about the business and talking about the actual nightlife who are actually there and a part of what makes Bahrain Bahrain. So for what I think uh, you should really consider and look and look into, if you're looking at it from a perspective of just trying to find sponsors and stuff like that, look at companies that have big marketing budgets. STC, for example, mm. are killing it right now. Mm. You've, you see their, their marketing mm. on the highway and everything else. Just find out their marketing department's uh, mm. email address and then just give them like a short clip of, of a potential, what it could be like an intro saying, you know what, mm. hi, this this podcast mm, is this year sponsored by SDC. I never thought today. about that. And then you just charge them based on the episode or as a block. Yeah. Right. And then you can charge them anywhere between 50 to 100 BD. And there um, you go. And, mm. you know, Bob's your uncle. And there's plenty of others. Like just look at like big marketing Interesting. Like, budget stuff. And that's the easiest way of, of growing. Interesting. And as soon as you hit like triple digits, like three, four hundred. Uh, views per, per per video we average about 150 to mm. 200 
So as soon as you hit around the 300 mark, then it's so much more easier because- Yeah, the, absolutely. Everything here in Bahrain doesn't get above 100. Even local news stations, if you look at like their, their YouTube mm. uh, publication, they only hit about 400 views, which is yeah. to me, madness. Madness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 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 that doesn't make sense. But what was weird is like, even I did a, I did an event for a venue in Adley and we, and cause it was my first event with the venue. We did a, we did a little video, put it on TikTok and, and put it on Instagram stories, had over 4,000 views. Cause yeah, yeah, it was yeah, short, yeah. short little quick yeah, videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, this is the, the attention, attention span. span. That's the, that's another Jeez. issue. <laughs> well, we having Mohammed, uh, what's his name? Ivory? Mohammed Haas. Shabib on Shahib Shahid. Sorry, Muhammad Shahid. Sorry. Uh, sorry, you have to leave. It's I'll have to go. Yeah, I'll have to go in a sec. Yeah, yeah. No worries, no worries. Who, so, who, who you have it on? Uh, Muhammad Shahid. He's the the guy who does all these fight matches. Blaze. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's called Blaze. I'm not sure if that's uh, the thing it is. Brave. Brave. That's the one. Mm. I, I keep wanting to call it Blaze. Uh, but th he's coming on to talk about like how the fight industry and stuff like that works. And if you like, and if that's the subject you'd be interested in, I can pass him on to you if you're up for sure, it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Why I not? mean, he wants to he wants to like make his media profile a little bigger because they're trying to grassroots fighters here locally mm. and get more attention to it. Yeah. So they're they're very active trying to to re that's get cool. the word out. But anyways, but it, it's been a pleasure, dude. Oh, my pleasure as well. And. Uh, Let's do some drinks. Absolutely. Always up for drinks.